welcome to Grazing Hell, the one and only podcast made by a cow. And we've got a little cow guest today, as well as her human, Audrey Chamberlain, <laughs> owner of Pony Upress, who is also the artist be- behind the artwork for this podcast. So I'm so happy to have you both here today. You and little Phoebe, the chihuahua in her cow onesie. Oh, God, I'm screaming. He is dressed for the occasion. I just... If you're listening, I cannot describe how cute this is. Phoebe, it's like a, it's quite, it looks quite fluffy, doesn't it? It's like a little, oh. Yeah, it's, it's fuzzy, nice and fleecy for the winter. I love that it's a little bit big for her as well. That makes me, like the sleeves are a little bit baggy, which makes it extra cute. She looks like a baby, you know, just. It is baggy. The, it has back legs too. It's like a onesie and I have to roll up the legs. Oh my gosh, she is an angel. Unfortunately, Siggy is uh, in bed and she, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, she's scared of the microphone. So who knows if she'll join us, but Phoebe is here and that's all that matters. So, you know, but Phoebe does not like to be in my lap okay. all the time. So she's just going to sleep behind us on my bed. Oh, oh. <laughs> hopefully you heard that little shake. Oh, is she digging? Okay. <laughs> this is... Oh, yep, she's circling. Yeah. <laughs> and there she oh, goes. Oh, gosh. If you are <laughs> listening and not watching, you are missing out on some cuteness. So, Audrey, do you want to tell the people who you are and what you do? Sure. So, my name is Audrey Chamberlain. Um, I'm the owner of Pony Up Press, which is my little business. I'm an illustrator and product designer. Um, I currently work full-time as a product designer, um, and I'm working on my illustration, and at Pony Up Press, I make various kinds of merchandise. I make t-shirts, pins, stickers, prints. I just recently did patches for the first time. Um, so please check that out. Yeah, Um, of course. (laughs) I'll have all the links. But yeah, I have a degree in design. Mm -hmm. And um, I also have a lot of experience with small business. I have only ever worked for small businesses with one exception. Mm -hmm. Um, I did work for my university for a brief time and then I got fired. Oh, sorry, everybody. (laughs) Just a moment. We've got Siggy has joined (gasps) us. Hi, Siggy. Wow. Look, it's your friend Phoebe. Hey. Yep, there's Phoebe. (laughs) Phoebe, you see this? She's like, Phoebe's like, nah, I'm nothing. (laughs) Sorry, you were saying you you got fired by your university. I did. Um, They said that I asked too many questions. Oh, wow. That sounds kind of culty. Getting kicked out for asking too many questions. (laughs) (laughs) It was more like I didn't understand the instructions that were given to me by my boss. Okay. Um, And I didn't know what was going on. And they gave me no training. Um, And then they fired that's me, awesome so. love that <laughs> it was not my best moment but uh i i used it as a moment of growth exactly no we've all sure. yeah no i i've i've been let go from retail jobs because i'm just not very good at it um <laughs> you know exactly so okay i'm not i'm not very good at it either i'm very <laughs> lucky right now to not have to deal with any customers yeah, at all exactly yeah um at least in my in my day job yeah i do deal with customers uh at in my side hustle yeah so how long out. have you been doing said side hustle so i started it in january of 2020 mm-hmm. which was a bad time to start yeah. it 
but I, I have been drawing, I guess, for my whole life. I did abandon it briefly when I was in high school and the beginning of college. Um, because I had, I went, I went a different direction. Um, but then I came back to it and I'm loving it even more. Love that. Okay. So, well, there are three reasons I'm having you on today. One being that we're buds. Uh, we haven't met in real life, but we are, I now consider you a, a pal. Um, and oh, thank you yes, so much. I consider you a pal oh, good. as well. Um, and you made a beautiful cow for the podcast. But secondly, I feel like you have a really good insight into small business culture that I think, I don't know, I just think people can learn a lot from it because we're living in an economy where, or at least on our side, like the more arty side of social media, uh, we are more interested in consuming small businesses. However, there's like a lot of etiquette and there's lots of things to consider. And always, there's always gossip. There's always, uh, I don't know, challenges and stuff. So I'm curious to hear about all your thoughts on the small business world and all it's going on. Well, a couple of years ago, I think most people thought of small businesses as whatever kind of brick and mortar store you had in your town, mm -hmm. whatever wasn't a chain, mm -hmm. like mom and pop stores. Mm -hmm. I come from a really small town, so it was mostly small businesses. We weren't allowed. I think there's something in the town charter or whatever that you weren't allowed to have chain stores. So our only chains were like uh, Dunkin' Donuts and a Subway. Oh, Somehow wow. those slipped in there. <laughs> Um, so I was really, really fortunate to like grow up in that kind of economy, I guess. I just kind of grew up with that. And now the way that a small business is thought of, especially after the pandemic, mm. small business is taking on a whole different name. Like anybody can have a small business now, mm -hmm. um, which where I feel for like the last couple decades, it's been, oh, you have a small business. It meant it was really, really hard to start. Mm -hmm. Um, but now it's a lot easier, especially with the pandemic starting and on TikTok. Yeah. Especially. Tell me about that because you use TikTok for marketing. Um, yeah. What's the deal with small business TikTok? Um, so small business TikTok is kind of a whole can of worms <laughs> because it's definitely changed over time the way that people feel about it. Okay. Um, I think the, the term small business has almost become taboo on TikTok now really? or kind of like a, a joke on TikTok. Like girl yeah, boss. So, <laughs> yeah, kind of like a girl boss thing, mm -hmm. which really sucks yeah. for me yeah. <laughs> and the other people doing the same thing as me. Because um, I don't want to say I'm a hashtag girl boss, yeah. but... You're a girl and you are a boss of your business. I'm a girl and I'm a boss. <laughs> that's right. Um, but anyway, so yeah, when the pandemic started, I think that people are using or people are running they don't have enough things to do they're bored and it's like well i'm gonna start a side hustle maybe you lost your job mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. maybe you aren't working um so now is a great time to start your own business if you are a maker and you want to make stuff say you were making jewelry on the side for all your friends and family or for yourself and now it's like well I have all the time. I don't have a job. I'm going to monetize it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's great. It was definitely great that all these people were starting small businesses. If you knew how to sew, mm -hmm. you could sew and make, you could sew things and sell them. Mm -hmm. um, really, really easy side hustle. I'm totally a big proponent of side hustles, full-time hustles, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. small business lover. Um, of course. And then you... 
started <laughs> getting that audio. I don't know if you've heard that audio. Okay. Um, that's like, <sighs> I don't want to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it costs that much because it takes me fucking hours. Uh, right. Fucking yeah, hours. yeah, yeah. It costs that much because it takes me fucking hours. Fucking hours. It costs that much because I don't have superpowers. Superpowers. You to pay for my skills because exposure doesn't pay the bills it costs that much because it takes me fucking hours yeah so like i think that song was like the downfall of it all oh no really because to, to me when i first say that that doesn't sound inherently bad to me because it's like that's something i still see you know people just don't value labor they just think it's yeah a hundred dollars for a sweater that's overpriced it's like it's not overpriced you just don't know how much labor goes into it you don't know how much the materials cost when someone isn't being forced to make it in a sweatshop like so it's it's certainly true uh fast fashion has definitely redefined uh the way we think of our clothing prices mm. um so that's definitely a big part of it when it comes to more of the apparel side of things. But honestly, that kind of bleeds over into into anything. Yeah, no, true. Um, very much rarely since um, we have come up with better ways to manufacture things, very rarely are people wanting to turn to more bespoke things. Mm -hmm. um, which is how a lot of people make their livelihoods, which was unfortunate. But I think now, um, I don't know if it's like the pandemic itself mm. or just maybe more liberal views coming into play. Um, but people are definitely wanting uh, things made in small batches or from small businesses more now. Mm. But that audio, I think, after a time, did come across as pretentious because there <laughs> is... <laughs> and I have, I guess, discussed this a lot with my other friends who who own their own businesses or are independent artists. Um that there is like a like a learning curve um you can't automatically just sell whatever you make for the amount of time it takes you gotcha um, yeah which is definitely um an issue i think that's what a lot of people have had uh criticisms of is okay. that just because it takes you a long time doesn't necessarily mean it's a good product <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hard pills to swallow but yes no i do see what you mean i know it, you're, you're right i relate to that as a photographer you know i worked as a i've worked as a mm -hmm. photographer for like five plus years and i look back at my headshots from when i first started and i think i'm glad i only charged this much i wouldn't charge what i charge now for those because they're not as good as my work now and like i look back at that and i'm like oh cringe so yeah when you start out and you're just getting clients and you're still learning i agree you gotta price according to that yeah and i mean for for everybody i think for every artist mm -hmm. um there is a propensity to undercharge mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I undercharge everything I do. Mm. My friends who are professional full-time artists, they undercharge everything oh, they yeah. do. Um, so I think with that, like audio or that, that kind of mentality that came along with that audio or like formed that audio, um, kind of has to do with, you can't just, this, yeah, you can't just charge uh, a price for X amount of hours that you worked on something because you worked on it. You have to have like the skill that comes with it yes. and you have to have. You, you can't like jump out of the gate char 
charging people like $35 an hour for you to make something, mm-hmm. um, which is a tough pill to swallow because again, with a lot of these small businesses and people that are making things by hand, it is really personal yeah. to them. And they're working as hard, but as you say, yeah. it's not just about the work, it's about the skill and the labor and the expertise. And that's also what you're paying for. So S- certainly, I mean, I can work on a drawing for five hours and want to, you know, get paid $35 an hour mm. for it, but it's just not realistic because my skills like are, aren't there yet, mm. which is, is fine for me. You know, it's a side hustle, but some people that that is their full-time hustle. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a difficult kind of line to draw. Mm. It's a very, very difficult thing to figure out how much to charge people yeah. for stuff with, with, I think this like boom of small businesses, we also have all these people who are learning what drop shipping is. Mm. <laughs> I don't know your experience with like drop shipping or if you know what that is. Yeah. Do you want to explain it? And I, I think I do know what it is, but do you want to explain it for the mm-hmm. listeners in case they don't? Yeah. So drop shipping is pretty much, uh, you have some sort of, uh, e-commerce platform, um, and a website and you purchase things from that website. Um, but the business never has those items actually in inventory. So those items come from some sort of wholesaler or manufacturer directly. Uh, so the business does not hold any inventory. Um, and that's different from say a business that doesn't hold inventory and has things on demand and is making them like this, a business will have nothing to do with the inventory. Essentially. They pretty much just set up the platform in order to be able to, uh, send items out. Okay. And a lot of people have a problem with this, uh, so yeah, what are the issues that crop up with this? Well, some people think it's kind of shady. Mm. Um, and I think when you're coming to selling things like clothes, which is where a lot of drop shipping comes into play is with clothing, especially with uh, Instagram boutiques and things mm. like that, um, is that they don't often experience the product very much. Sometimes they'll get a sample of the product, um, but not a big shipment. So the quality control is out of their hands, essentially. And more often than not, drop shipped items are not made very well. Mm. Um, so it's something that you that quality control is kind of essential for if you're going to sell a cheap product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're you're pretty much just paying for the business that's doing the drop shipping to handle that exchange and to have the website mm-hmm. up front. Whereas a lot of clothing that you find on um, like random Instagram boutiques. A lot of that clothing you can go onto like AliExpress and you can find the exact listing for. Oh, yeah. So, um, there's a really great, uh, TikToker. Her name is Madeline Pendleton and she owns a clothing company called Tunnel Vision. Mm. And she has a lot of really, really awesome, insightful videos about this whole process because she's been working in fashion design for like 10 or 15 years. And she creates all her own designs for her company and then also sources some vintage clothing too, I believe. Um, but she has experience in all of these manufacturing pipelines, I guess. Um, and she actually can often go onto like stores that people ask for. They'll be like, oh, can you check XX store and tell me if it's like a drop shipper or they're making their own clothing? And she can go on there. And if it's a drop shipper, they more often than not will have actual pictures of her clothing and copies of her designs oh on their website that is shady. it happens I, I mean she does these videos a lot and that happens uh, it, very very often it's shocking oh, how often it happens yeah that is it's the stealing designs as well that's really 
extra level of shitty, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, the the way it's actually a huge problem. Um, the way that that happens is that a lot of independent designers and independent artists will use um, a website like Alibaba mm. to find a manufacturer, more often than not in China, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean that it's unethical manufacturing. You know, there is it, it's it's there is a lot of ethical manufacturing in China, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily bad that something's made in China. Mm-hmm. Just like it's not necessarily good that it's made in the U.S. Mm-hmm. because there are um, some issues with factories especially in la especially in la especially with clothing yeah where they aren't ethically manufactured okay yeah that's the thing because that's a big marketing thing at the moment made in the usa made in britain and all this Mm -hmm. stuff and obviously i know this is a very extreme example but it came out about i think it was a pretty little thing this like very I don't know how to say it. It's like a Forever 21 type brand. Um, Essentially, Turns out they were paying their workers who were working in England, um, like two pounds an hour. So exactly, like you say, it's, um, yeah, you're not safe just because it's made in the same country. Mm -hmm. Fashion Nova does the exact same thing. Mm. I mean, you can often tell by a garment if it looks cheap. It's probably made with unethical manufacturing mm-hmm, i'm telling you right now if it's a cheap shirt that's new mm. you should be skeptical mm-hmm. um that madeline pendleton talks a lot about that in her videos as well mm-hmm. um she says that she can make like a very 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 simple cut and sew dress uh for around 45 dollars with ethical labor but if you start adding lace if you start adding embroidery which is a is very expensive method embroidery is very expensive okay. if anything has embroidery and it's cheap definitely a red flag okay good to know <laughs> yeah embroidery is very expensive i have a, a close friend of mine has two embroidery machines Ooh. um and she does a lot of embroidered apparel and her sweatshirts cost anywhere it's in the hundreds jeez yeah it's like a hundred to a hundred sixty dollars for one of her sweatshirts um they're extremely detailed it it can take um i think around an hour and a half for some of her embroidered designs on her embroidery machine Mm. and those machines also one of them is i think new was six thousand dollars jeez lordy lordy well there you go exactly it's um Mm-hmm. And like crochet, I, I follow some cro- crochet people and um, someone mm-hmm. shared something from a fast fashion short store, I can't remember which one, and it was like a crochet dress for like £40. And that must take a long time to make. So they were basically just saying this is really dodgy. It's a lot of, if you, you know it when you see it. Mm, right. So, But when it comes down to uh, stealing designs, how that happens is when designers look on AliExpress to... or. Alibaba, sorry, <laughs> Alibaba for um, their manufacturers, which is how a lot of people find manufacturers um, or how they source materials. Um, and a lot of those manufacturers will just take your designs. Wow. It's it's as simple as that. They just take your designs. The same friend with the embroidery machine, she said that she contacted, I believe she said around 20 to 50 manufacturers to find one. Jeez. Because um, they can be really dodgy. Mm. Um and there, there is a definitely a language barrier, mm-hmm. um, but some of them, yeah, are trying to do things like take your designs, mm-hmm. and it's really unlikely that you're going to be able to do anything about that. Yeah, and uh, reason being, I mean, I can't remember what it's like in the US, but in the UK, you can't 
um, really copyright a shape of clothing or anything like that, like a mm -hmm. sort of silhouette because it's a utility. You can only really mm -hmm. copyright a pattern, I believe. I don't know if it's a similar system in the US, but I think that's why it's so easy to steal designs and the, the artist can't really do anything because it's like, I, I don't really have copyright over this. So yeah, you're, you're right in that you, it's very, very, very difficult to copyright fashion. Mm. It's incredibly difficult. I think more often than not, you can end up copywriting the utility mm -hmm. aspect if it has some sort of different utility, but you can't just, obviously you can't just patent something because it's a shirt that keeps you warm, mm -hmm. you know? Right, exactly. It's a shirt that covers your boobs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, that's every shirt, yeah. mostly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you have artists who have created products and the products that they have end up anywhere. It can end up in those dropshipping Instagram boutiques that are really small. It can end up at Zara. Yeah. Another thing that I mean, Zara is yeah, they're notorious. notorious. Yes, I've seen so many posts about Zara. Mm -hmm. Is it Diet Prada? The Instagram page they they call out a lot of it. Uh, would recommend yeah. that. It's a good page. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just the audacity of it is just wow. Yeah, and uh, more often than not, when companies do that, they're like, oh, our, that's from our manufacturer. They didn't tell us that it was stolen. Oh, really? And it's like, well, maybe you should research something a little bit before mm. you put it on the shelves or you buy, you know, thousands of units of stock. Mm. But it, it's, it's definitely... I'm afraid of it for sure, especially with my designs that are more successful mm. and like a little pal more palatable to larger audiences. I mean, you know my my cow pin mm. a pin that's a a cow with a little cowboy hat and booties it's so pretty cute. simple um yeah it's really cute it is um, it's pretty simple but that's something that definitely can be corrupted but um there are kind of two routes that you can take when it comes to manufacturing things in china is that you can contact a manufacturer directly um through something like alibaba or you can use a kind of an american middleman Mm. And there's companies like uh, Vograce, for example. They're a big company that people use for like keychains, pins, lanyards, washi tape, things like that. And they're an American middleman. So it costs more. You are paying more upfront, but I think it's like a, a little safer or they have like dedicated manufacturers. I'm not exactly sure mm. um, when it comes to that, but I think it's a little safer mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely it's a dog eat dog world out there. It really you can is, see, which is un is really really sad. You know how things like fast fashion can just bleed into every aspect of business. It's like everything has become an industry. Like everything is commodified to the point that and I think this is a big issue with like free market capitalism because it's so unregulated. Mm -hmm. You can just make money out of anything. And therefore, there's everything is like profit fueled. There's like no ethics behind it. <sighs> exactly. Like no matter how big a business that you have, it's it's functioning on a capitalist economy. So mm. you kind of have to play with the rules of capitalism, mm -hmm. which sucks a lot sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you have to play with the rules of marketing, and you gotta if if TikTok's what's working for marketing, you gotta go on TikTok. And let me tell you, that shit's a battlefield is it i've it heard is. there's like always there's that ongoing joke that tiktok comments are just the, a hellhole basically where's um, the youtube comments yeah, somehow I which have, amazes I have, me i know the youtube comment section is is usually pretty brutal but yeah tiktok can can definitely be brutal i mean comments like don't really phase me i i mean i haven't 
haven't gone truly viral yet. (laughs) Also, it just amazes me the things that can end up being controversial because I'm trying to think like how any of your posts could be controversial, but on TikTok they can because like posting pictures, somehow posting like a video of your little cow pin with cowboy boots could piss some people off on TikTok. That's the kind of environment it is. It blows my mind. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly scary. I mean, again, people don't really understand the cost of starting a business and the cost of manufacturing things. So they see on TikTok, obviously gives an ideal view of all the cool things that are happening. Um, so it's behind the scenes, you know, to understand like the amount of investment and time and whatnot that goes into those things. Um, and TikTok has definitely changed that too. For a while, people were doing like packaging videos and then suddenly you got to get good ass packaging yeah. and that's expensive. Also, a lot of it is going to go in the bin anyway. I don't know. I just, I always wonder how, how much is it worth for you investing or does it actually, is it worth it? Cause it will make people more likely to buy it. I don't know. That That's a question for you. You would know more than I would. I mean, that's definitely something that I've... <laughs> Sorry, this is sick. something She's that I've... the blanket. It's fair. It's probably chilly over there. It it's is. chilly here, it so... It is. No, it is. Anyway, sorry, um, what you're saying. <laughs> sorry, Siggy's very important. I know, exactly. Um, <laughs> but what was I saying? Yeah, packaging. Yeah. So all that stuff is very expensive, and you're right. It, it is likely going to be trash unless you're like me and you like to save every little bit of packaging and reuse stuff but not everybody does that mm. and so it makes me sad you know when i design a beautiful pin card that that pin card's just probably gonna go in the trash which really sucks yeah. um, and i mean even if you think of just a print i i make my prints myself and i put a like a plastic baggie around them and like it sucks because that is as of right now kind of the best way to protect a print um it's like the professional way to do it um and even more professional if you have like a cardboard backing Mm -hmm. with it or like a map board backing um and all that stuff costs a lot of money Mm. and you know like that that kind of thing like a plastic bag for your print that's kind of an essential thing a card for your pin that's essential but when it comes to like people have custom tissue paper yes i've seen um, that wow it's beautiful it's amazing it's an experience Mm. (laughs) let me tell you yeah but um when you're just starting out your stuff's not going to look like that and i think there was kind of an expectation on tiktok that when you order something from business no matter how big that business is it's going to come in nice packaging yeah when nice packaging is super wasteful Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, I would rather use just a pre-made tissue paper because it's it's less manufacturing mm-hmm. cost and uh, less wasteful in the manufacturing process. So that's where you get kind of like to small business doesn't really equal ethical or sustainable or anything like that. It, it doesn't mean that. I, I, don't, I don't know if you remember on TikTok in kind of the early days of the pandemic, you had a bunch of people who were ordering like charms off of AliExpress and just putting them on earring, yeah. earring uh, backs. Yeah. It was like, that's not, I mean. So is that something you see quite a lot where people take that a step further and they will use sustainable as a marketing thing, but you don't really necessarily need to prove it? Yeah, there's uh, a little bit of greenwashing involved, and mm. I think I've been guilty of that before because um, it takes a little while to understand what is truly sustainable. It's definitely it's just a buzz- buzzword now. Um, and I used to think, you know, I was trying my best, but it's very difficult to manufacture things on your own, and it's very difficult to get 
the most ethical manufacturing that you can. It's very difficult to manufacture things in the U.S. So there is a little bit of I, I have to just try my best. You know, I can't afford to, you know, manufacture things in the U.S. I can't afford to manufacture pins in the U.S. It's very expensive. Hmm. You know, it, there's a little bit of like coping I have to do with myself. Like, yeah. Um, it's not and I do. I, I, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, fool anybody. Hmm. I like putting that little made in the U.S. Uh, if my product is made in the U.S. on my website, because that's nice. It makes me feel good. But it, most of the most of like the business owners that, you know, they don't get everything manufactured in the U.S., which is definitely unfortunate. I wish it weren't I mean, not manufactured in the U.S., but like manufactured ethically, because you can eth- manufacture you can manufacture ethically in countries like China. Mm-hmm. It can be done, um, but it does take a lot of research. Right. Um, it does take a lot of um, experience in that field. I'm just not that experienced mm-hmm. in the whole finding manufacturers mm-hmm. thing. I mean, as a brand, you can kind of get dinged for anything, too. You got to be really careful. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's just you're just as susceptible to being canceled as if you were some sort of celebrity. <laughs> okay. Like if you're running your small business. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it's it's brutal out there, too. <laughs> it's the Wild um, West. It really it's the Wild West for sure. <laughs> Definitely size inclusivity. Huge. That's a big one I see. Yeah. You know, I, I want to you want to be as size inclusive as possible, of course, because you want anybody to be able to enjoy the things you make. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the same with with any brand, especially brands that are trying to be size inclusive, um, have a lot of trouble sometimes, even if they are, I guess, marketing themselves as size inclusive. Um, for example, Big Bud Press, mm. fairly popular brand. By this point, I've been following them for a few years. Oh, yeah. I have tons of their pieces. Mm-hmm. I personally love them as a company mm. and they carry sizes double X, small to five XL. Yeah. Which is a pretty big size range, um, bigger than anything you can go to the mall and find, mm-hmm. except for maybe, I don't know, Hanes t-shirts or something like that, mm-hmm. like something super simple. Um, so it is awesome that they are providing like really well-made, beautiful clothing for people of all sizes. Size inclusivity also goes down to smaller sizes as well. Like for, for me, I'm very, very small, um, and I've never been able to find sizes for me until I found companies like Big Bud Press who went down to a double X small. Mm-hmm. But uh, even Big Bud has gotten a lot of flack really? for not being size inclusive. Yeah. Um, huh. So I think the main problem has come down to uh, their sizing being a little inconsistent, which they are trying to make uh, unisex clothing um, and everything is made in LA with like pretty non-stretch fabrics, Mm -hmm. uh, which can be difficult to do, but they are really nice fabrics. You know, of course, Mm -hmm. the more stretch you have in a fabric, the, the less amount of time it's going to last because, um, things like spandex and elastic just don't last that well. They don't have a long, they don't have a lot of longevity. And so people have like tried to boycott them before. Um, I don't, I've missed this completely. It's a little under the radar. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm on the Big Bud Press like Facebook group. Uh. I think I'm the only one in my age group who uses Facebook. <laughs> I was gonna um, say, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like super active on Facebook. <laughs> You're a boomer. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed and <laughs> it's like all it's like people in QAnon and oh yeah yeah anti-vaxxers. <laughs> I mean, I definitely get an interesting view into what they're they're up to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, yeah, so people boycott Big Bird Press because of um, lack of, or sort of inconsistent sizing. Was that kind of the the main issue, or um, as 
far as I know, yes, as from what I've been able to see. Um, but for me, at least, that's more of a, a customer service issue. Um, yeah. They are a very, yeah, they're a very transparent brand. Um, and she's all about, like, loving bigger bodies. Mm -hmm. She uses a lot of... Um, a lot of models who are of all different yeah. shapes and sizes. Mm. Um, and as far as I know, a lot, a lot of people who are larger sizes love their clothing, but some have had issues with them in the past. And I've seen them listed. I saw an infographic going around. I'm also on the Girlfriend Collective Facebook page, mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. which is another size-inclusive athletic wear brand. Yes. Um, but Or considered size-inclusive. But there was some sort of infographic that was lumping in a bunch of brands that weren't considered size-inclusive. And it had things like Forever 21 on it and... Um, like Adidas mm -hmm. or something, you know, all of these really big brands and then Big Bud Press is on there too. So I think that's a little, I I don't want to say, I guess, dodgy, but it, 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 I think it's a little, or mean, I guess I can't find the word for it, but it's inaccurate mm -hmm. um, or not fair. It's mainly like not fair to a brand that is actively even if you even if you think that their sizing is off or inconsistent or whatever, like they're actively trying to be size inclusive. To put them in the same actively... list, yeah, as someone like Adidas or Forever Twenty One is just not fair. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like Forever Twenty One has no reason to change their sizing, really. Mm -hmm. Again, they're probably not going to because it's just like not for them at this point. It's probably just not a worthwhile business endeavor to even bother mm -hmm. because that would require. I mean, they have thousands upon thousands of product listings on their website. I mean, imagine changing every single one of those listings and also changing patterns, changing what, whatever manufacturing there is, like changing all of that. It's just not going to happen for them. Right. They, they don't have um, any motivation to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's, it's unfortunate that that kind of happens. And, um, and then there's definitely a lot of dogpiling that goes on when it comes to, uh, criticizing small businesses and, and it is sad mm. at least, I mean, coming from the perspective of a business owner, mm. it is sad to see that. Mm. Um, especially for people who more often than not are, you know, trying to be much more ethical and sustainable than their fast fashion counterparts. Mm. Um, they're held to such high standards. They are held to high standards and it is a lot more personal because when you're running a small business, you have either a really small team or it's just you. Mm. And that's more often than not your your life's work as well. So it's it's tough to see business owners go through things like that. I have sympathy for them for sure. I I'm not a plus size person, so I can't really like speak on a lot of a lot of those issues. I can speak on it as someone who is like a lot smaller and and I, you know, obviously very happy when brands do cover smaller sizes. I, I um, have a similar thing, actually. Um, I'm also very petite and I do find, especially when it comes to stuff like trousers, really difficult to find because um, I have like very small hips, short legs, you know, all that stuff. It's really hard. Um, like my dream is to just find an, a pair of mum jeans that fit. I can't wear mum <laughs> jeans. They look ridiculous on me they look like a child wearing their mum's jeans you know like yeah I just don't have the right just too small <laughs> I, I feel you 100% mm. the only pair of I, I've only found two pairs of jeans that 
fit me mm. um, ever. Mm. Uh, one of them was a pair from, I think, Urban Outfitters, like six or seven years ago mm. or something. And I still have those. And then I also have a pair of, believe it or not, vintage Levi's um, that I found at a flea market. And they were so small that uh, the girl at the booth gave me a discount for them because she's like, I have not found a single person that is small enough for these. That's not a child. Yeah. So, <laughs> and they were even too long. They were too long. So to my mom them. had to hand yeah. them for me. And my mom often when she, when we find pants that, that fit me, but they're too long. She's like, who is this made for? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who is like this tiny and long? Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, certainly not me. All pants are too long. On yeah. Me, but so. I, I had not found pants that fit me legitimately, like consistently fit me, um, until big bud press, mm. which I, personally for me makes me love them all the more mm. because I was finally able to feel confident mm -hmm. in my body because I had clothes that fit. Mm -hmm. I spent years, uh, shopping at, you know, fast fashion stores, like broke teenagers do, mm -hmm. um, who don't really know their style yet mm -hmm. either. Um, and, uh, I just like, had never really felt that confident in my body. I couldn't really I couldn't thrift stuff even because everything at the thrift store was still too big on me or it didn't fit me or it wasn't like that flattering. Um, like I've never, I've never found pants at a thrift store, mm -hmm. <laughs> not jeans, certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, but the way that like the fit is they're a little bit cropped, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of changed that. Like I honestly finding big bud press changed the way that I dress and it changed kind of my style and my aesthetic because it was like for the first time, it was, oh, I didn't have to find something and buy it just because it fit. I could like something. Yeah, and it fit. that's what, yeah, exactly. You want both, right? It's mm -hmm. exactly. And everyone deserves that. Everyone deserves to have clothes that they feel good in and look good in. And yeah, it's just mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. It's so important. I'm definitely grateful to like the small business realm for granting me that I suppose mm. um, the kind of confidence in my body and um, even outside of just small businesses, just size inclusivity in general, it, it, it's had a big effect on me. Um, so companies like uh, Girlfriend Collective and Big Bud Press and Mokuyobi and New Works, um, all of those having double X small sizes made a huge difference for me mm -hmm. because I could buy clothes that I a liked and B fit in. And that's really, really special. That's really something that I hope that everybody gets to experience mm. no matter their size. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You shouldn't have to dress boring just to fit well. And I think that's something a lot of like, like plus size influencers I follow talk about is that like a lot of the time mm -hmm. they just get like really either really boring stuff or really um, overtly garish and you can't just have like normal chic clothes, you know what I mean? There's no like nice middle yeah. ground. And yeah, I just, yeah, it's, yeah. When you were a kid, did you ever go to like the boys section? You're like, wow, these clothes are so much better. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, their, their graphic t-shirts are like so much better. Yeah. Like, And I feel like plus size sections are a tier even down mm -hmm. from that. So it would be like the boys clothes, the girls clothes the plus size section yeah it's like plus size people have definitely had it rough in terms of design exactly it's like they think and there's nothing wrong with dressing like 
you know, a grandma if you want to, but like not everyone does want to. And it just seems as if like a lot of plus size clothing looks like the kind of thing that a grandma would wear, which there's nothing wrong with. Grandmas are great, but not everyone <laughs> wants to dress like their grandma. Some people want to dress a bit more, a bit more saucy, you know, and they yeah. should have that and, opportunity. Yeah. I, I think it's really cool when there are brands that, um, cater to larger sizes um, because it's also a different body shape. So mm -hmm. there are different ways to make different body shapes flattering, clothing for different body shapes flattering as well. You know, it just, what's going to look flattering on me is not this going to look, may not look flattering on a person that's like 2XL just because we have totally different body types. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that uh, larger people deserve that kind of treatment where people are making clothing that is for them. Mm. Yeah. The way that I guess like slimmer people, mm -hmm. sometimes it's called like straight sizing. Straight sizing. Um, I haven't heard that. Yeah. I think it's a newer term. I don't, I don't know if that's like an acceptable. Like heterosexual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's the heterosexual um, <laughs> um, clothing sizes, but you know, I guess people who fit in like small, medium, large. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, is what it, yeah, not like sizes for people who like the opposite gender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What small businesses spring to mind that you think are just really bad, if you're allowed to say? Um, or is that too like it's hard? It's hard to. <laughs> there are things that I don't support. Mm -hmm. Um, that I just don't think are like cool but mm -hmm. i wouldn't say they're bad because like i don't want i don't want those people to lose their livelihoods you know i, I hope that they are i don't even want people to lose their side hustle mm -hmm. um i want people to be able to grow and learn from things like constructive criticism mm -hmm. um but what i look for i guess kind of as red flags i suppose um if you ever see people like making rugs on yeah, tiktok and instagram yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. A lot of people doing um, punch needling or um, tufting, rug tufting. Okay. Um, a lot of them, um, they are they, they they don't have their own designs. They'll take like scenes from movies or they'll do like characters and things like that. And I just, from the point of view as an artist who does all original work, um, I just don't like that. Okay. Very much. Yeah. Okay. Um, you see it. I mean, you see it. That was just one example. You see it a lot in every medium. Mm -hmm. Um. But especially a lot of people on TikTok. And I think, you know, that's fine to work on your skill, to um, practice, but like to be selling things like that is just not. Right, gotcha. Oh, okay. There are, um, like when it comes to fan art, there's a lot of gray area because yeah. technically you're not supposed to sell a lot of things that are considered fan art. Okay. Um, and some Comic Cons, even New York Comic Con this year, they have a rule that uh, says that you can't sell fan art of any kind, but no, people sell it anyway. They oh. sell it anyway. Um, and fan art makes a ridiculous amount of money. Oh, like, of if course. You want, yeah. <laughs> if you want to make money, get into fan art. Mm -hmm. um, but I like personally can't do that. Uh, there's this guy, on, I'm mentioning TikTok a lot. Uh, <laughs> TikTok all the time. Um, it's, it's for work, it's for business purposes. <laughs> um, also the, the company that I work for is fairly active. Uh, we have a pretty big following on mm. TikTok and Instagram, so I, um, watch a lot. But anyway, there's this, there's this guy on TikTok who does, I think he's an art teacher and he does kind of art reviews. Mm -hmm. And what he said, I know this is going to be a hot take because a lot of people do fan art. Ooh. Um, 
but he says something that I agree with, which is that any any sort of fan art is going to be unoriginal in some way, um, which I think is just inherently true. And not that that's, like, bad. I don't think that fan art's bad. I just, you know, I do prefer original works, personally, um, just because I... I I, I like what seeing what people can come up with all on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm another Facebook page. Um, you boomer. There's, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm a double agent. I'm a double agent. Because <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't interact that much on Facebook. Yeah. So I don't post on Facebook. <laughs> I'm just in groups on Facebook um, for <laughs> my, my, uh, my model horse collection. Oh, wow. Incredible. Yeah. That's a I'm whole so other rabbit to... hole. <laughs> yeah. For everybody that liked me up until this point, I'm so sorry to disappoint. You are yes, a horse Yes, I do girl. collect model horses. Yeah. I'm a horse girl through and through. Do you watch um, Bob's Burgers? Yes. Tina. She has horses. Yeah, Tina's a pretty accurate representation of what my <laughs> she's a middle horse... school yeah. life. She's a horse girl who's never ridden a horse. You ride horses, don't you? Yes, I do. I do ride horses. Mm-hmm. Um, You're a real horse girl. Yeah, since I was like five ish, but I've been in a barn my whole life. Um, oh, has Phoebe yeah, met a horse? Uh, yes, Phoebe um, has met many horses. Um, she's been on the backs of horses. No, she hasn't. That's so cute. Yes, she has. Do they um, mind I, that they've got a tiny dog on their? A lot of horses love dogs. Um, <laughs> I've had the same horse since I was a child, uh, and so he's he's pretty old now, Aww. but. Um, he loves dogs. Oh. We always bring our dogs to the barn to come see him. Yeah, and he always wants to sniff them um, oh. and interact with them. They try to, all the little ones, though, they try to nip at his nose, which mm. is, of course, like this big compared yeah. to Phoebe. And um, <laughs> his his head's like this big. Yeah. Um, and so she, she'll try to nip at him and he, his head kind of just bobs. Oh, that is so cute. It's, so it's, what this guy was saying, that fan art is inherently a little bit unoriginal. What else did he say? Or was that kind of the whole thing? Kind of. I think that was mainly the gist of it. Um, yeah. But, like, I, I agree with that. And that's often a hard pill to swallow. And, you know, I don't want to, like... It, it doesn't mean that I think fan art's bad or that mm-hmm. fan art artists are untalented because some people make absolutely incredible fan art. Like, oh, yeah. anything, pretty much anyone that makes Studio Ghibli fan art, I mean, you're already starting off with a incredible source material, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I guess I guess maybe it can be akin to, like, sampling yeah. in music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't mean it's not artistic. It doesn't mean it's not, like, meaningful or good. It just, it, it is, yeah, it's like a process that involves source, sourcing, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, it's just, like, not a personal preference of mine. Like, I don't do fan art. I, I have, like tried fan art a little bit but i always just feel more inspired by doing my own things what about phoebe fan art you do phoebe fan art well phoebe is an original <laughs> so oh i love her so much she's just on the bed being oh. cute and i would die for her oh the, uh siggy's <laughs> under the blanket next to me oh she does not like the camera she does not especially the microphone <laughs> she's terrified of the microphone <laughs> Phoebe actually is not scared of very much. Oh, good. Oh, hello. Yes. <laughs> she oh. just opened her eyes. Yeah. And then she's back to sleep. She knows we're talking about I know about this, her. this is her all day. I take her to work with me and she just sleeps all day. Um, we made her this 
you can get these doll beds mm-hmm. at Ikea. It's just like a small bed. Mm-hmm. And so I got one of those and I set it up at work for her and she sleeps in a little bed. Oh, angel. Oh, that's so yeah, she's, wholesome. she's the source for lots of inspiration for me oh, in my yeah. art. I've, um, she's my second chihuahua. Oh, yes. Um, and so both of them have been incredibly inspiring mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did some of my first art as like chihuahua based art. Um, (laughs) and now I do a lot of horses. Yeah. And cows. And cows. Yes, I do do a lot of cows or one cow specifically. Yes. The cow. (laughs) Speaking of, do you want to, um, tell the people where they can find you, go find your work? Sure. So, uh, on Instagram, I am pony up press. So P O N Y U P P R E S S (laughs) just spell it out. Cause some people think it's pony express. (laughs) Um, and then uh, same thing on my website, just ponyuppress.com and same thing on TikTok. Um, but yeah, you can find all of my products there and I post art on my Instagram as often as I make it. Yes. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on today. It has been delightful as always, um, especially thank you to Phoebe for dressing the part Um She's in her cow onesie. She looks, she's slaying. She came to serve, um, serve a look. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm uh, not, I, I rarely see the light of day um, on the internet, <laughs> my face. So <laughs> no, you, you did great. You did great. No, you're good. Shall we do our bye-bye, bye-bye now? You know, the one I do to the camera. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Three. I'm ready. Two, one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.